everyone. Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. This is your host, Christopher Page, in studio with Matt Flynn. Welcome back, Matt. We had a great conversation last time. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Because this is a film we're going to talk about uh, 1969, 1970s Airport. Yes. Which you'd never seen before. I wasn't sure if I had seen it before. I, I thought I had. And okay. the couple moments and scenes seemed familiar, familiar to me. But I think overall, I hadn't seen it either. Maybe you were thinking of airplane. I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have been thinking of airplane or one of the other, one of the later airport films. So yeah, so this should be a good conversation. Before that, there is a couple little bit of news tidbits that came up. Um, some good, some not. Some definitely not so good. Some well, when, when I say good. I just mean it's not as bad as the one that's bad. <laughs> we'll start with the bad. Unfortunately, uh, fantastic actor uh, Roger Moore passed away since the last time we recorded. He was uh, he was my first James Bond. You know, when I was growing up, his Bond films were the new Bond films. So that's the one I, I really recognized as James Bond before I went back and watched a lot of the Sean Connery films. And then I actually saw him in a lot of old television shows that I would watch. I, he did a television show called The Saint which was a secret spy agent touring the European countryside, you know, righting wrongs and driving a really sharp-looking Volvo. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, he was also in uh, Maverick. Uh, he was also in, I think, there was a show called The Persuaders. And uh, so he had a lot of television, lots of movies. Um, super nice guy from everything that I've read. And yeah, that's what I was reading too. I was seeing some of his interviews after his passing that everybody was showing, and he just seemed like he was always engaging. He never made the interviewer feel like he didn't want to be there. He very charming, very kind. Yep. So it was a uh, it's it was a shame, you know. These actors, you know, eventually they're going to pass away. You mm -hmm. know, even the, the younger actors that we see today, eventually, you know, and it's just it's still hard to think that because when we watch them, we watch their films when they were young and so yeah. they're kind of always that age in your head <laughs> and so when you read these news stories when they they're passing away in their 80s and 90s you're like really <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen yeah, exactly so very sad um now onto the well it's not a death it's more of a um continuation a odd one a rebirth <laughs> a rebirth uh Tom Cruise himself, assuming he's not just pulling everybody's leg, has announced that there is going to be a Top Gun 2. Now, this will be coming out over 20 years since the first film. Yeah. And he claims it's going to be Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. And it's going to have a lot of sort of the same theme and ideas of the original. Lots of, you know, planes and pilots. And I, you tweeted it, I think. Uh, the news story and when I and I tweeted it back uh, to you Matt I was like I'm not sure I'm ready to get back on the highway to the danger zone <laughs> right yeah it makes me wonder since like are they gonna actually play that song is yeah. the movie gonna open because it plays three times is they gonna bring back Kenny Loggins right yeah. <laughs> it plays three times in the original are they gonna only play it once is it gonna like open the movie is it gonna be like in the credits because that song goes with that movie yeah. Oh, yeah do they ignore it do they embrace that this was a real 80s movie mm -hmm. that for people who don't remember kind of ends with them starting a world war <laughs> he <laughs> he shoots down two russian fighters right he kills two 
members of the Russian military. That that's a declaration of war. I as far remember, as I'm didn't concerned. they engage them first though? That's still a war. <laughs> that's like, true. So it, are they going to take it from that point of view that we've been at war this whole time? Or is it just sort of don't worry about it? A little Top aid. Gun alternative reality. Right. Uh, I, and But, yeah, I feel the window closed on this movie after we got out of the 90s. Yes. Like, that was the time to do a sequel. Now it's just sort of like, well, although we have said it, somehow Tom Cruise always makes an interesting movie yeah good bad or otherwise there's something he brings to it there's something at least worthwhile so maybe apparently he did this uh, it was a an interview just so if anyone wants to go look it up i'm reading a uh, article on mashable.com and he i'm trying to remember i had it right in front of me and now i can't see who he was doing the interview for Access Hollywood. He was doing an interview for Access Hollywood, and that's when he announced that he, this was going to happen. But yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, it was so eighties. I remember in the eighties when I was just a you know a, a teenager. Uh, movie was incredible. You know, uh, you go back and watch it now. Yeah, you can see a lot of flaws with the film. Yeah, and it's extremely. It's a corny, cheesy idea. The premise. It's ridiculous. It's just. It is so ingrained in the eighties that. If you're going to do any other movies based on it, it had to have been in the 80s. You're right. Yeah. Once you hit that 1990, I mean, things just changed too much. Right. And I remember reading a few years ago that they were talking about doing a sequel, and then it would be about, like, Maverick training the next group of pilots He to... did go to Top Gun to teach. Right. And the whole point being because pilots are being replaced with drones, and so he's trying to show that, you know... A person in the cockpit is still better than a person behind a control stick. Oh, and it's sort of like, how is that plot going to last more than 20 minutes? We had those movies. Again, we had that plot in the 80s and 90s yeah. with the you know advent. Everyone thought that you know jet fighters are going to be AI and things like that. And then, of course, in the end, it's a person in the pilot, in the pilot seat that saves the day. Right. We've had that story. Yeah. And now it's probably— Now we're having that story with Tom Cruise. <laughs> So, so it'll probably be good. <laughs> <laughs> it'll make at least $500 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's all the news. A little slow uh, uh, news period outside of that. I'm sure there was a couple other little minor things that came up, but those were the big ones that kind of hit our radar. Uh, we did get an email from our good uh, a super fan, I think, Floyd. <laughs> our Our fan. <laughs> Our listener. You gotta send him a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm the only one that listens to the Time Shifters podcast. Yeah, he listened to our uh, episode on the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, he says that he really enjoyed the discussion of one of the greatest, if not greatest, uh, disaster film of all time, the Poseidon Adventure. He said he liked the tidbits that we gave on how the things were done, how it was filmed uh, yeah. with the, the the sets and the. Uh... He says filming a movie. Uh, and story sequence is practically unheard of. I remember way back in high school when my English teacher told me that no movie was actually filmed in story sequence. Guess she didn't know about Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> uh, he really liked our speculations on what happened to the surviving characters. So he's, he's listed the many film discussions, and no one has ever discussed that. It just shows how good the writing and acting was that you can come up with very plausible scenarios for, for what happened to the characters. I wonder if the actors thought of this to help portray their reactions to being rescued. 
which is interesting. I yeah. mean, we definitely there was definitely some direction. I don't know how much was direction and how much was actor's choice. We talked about Ernest Borgnine and everything. Yeah. How the looks on their faces when yeah, you know, there was definitely effort put into what was happening in that moment. Yeah, everyone had a different look on their face. So there's a different story to tell for each of them. He did mention too that when he saw the film for the first time, he saw it first run in the theater. Wow! So I'm a little jealous. I'd love to see that film in the theater <laughs> on, the on a screen, big screen. Yeah, yeah. that would With be cool. Every, especially the flip scene. That would be incredible. It would be very cool. I, there's lots of movies that kind of get these little revivals and get to go to the theaters. But you know, Poseidon Adventure, I don't think has ever been one, and that no. would be a great one. Some anniversary, uh, you know, or something has to come up, and we got to get that into a theater. And it's one of those. And I, I realized something watching airport disaster movies tend to fade they tend to be a product of their time yeah and you know they don't like you said they don't really get revived like you know no one brings up independence day anymore no one brings up twister anymore it people don't compare a disaster movie to an older disaster movie it's just sort of here's the new crop of them and that's it and then they'll fade and we'll get to the next one in like eight more years Mm -hmm. so it would be interesting to bring that movie back to the theater because people who would go see it probably have never seen it yeah good point and so you if you could sit in the theater with like 50 people who've never seen it before and just have that fresh reaction to things that you know are coming you're just Mm -hmm. sort of like okay the boat's about to flip let's see how this goes in the room (laughs) (laughs) well and you know what's interesting something and this will come up when we discuss airport you're talked about that you know disaster film tends to be kind of a product of their time i think poseidon probably outside of the fashion i think age is better yeah than 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 most certainly better than airport which we'll come to (laughs) um i mean you go on a cruise ship i i think you pretty much see what goes on on a cruise ship you know it that hasn't really changed all that much they're bigger they may they have more you know maybe there's more than one ballroom now sure um but it's still people they dress up for dinner they have dancing a a ship's a ship yeah Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would age actually a little better. I think it, it would do okay. I think people, like I said, the fashion is definitely firmly rooted in yes. the time it was made. Nice turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess some, some of the characterizations and everything, certainly, um, oh, what was his name? Martin mm-hmm. was definitely a 70s gentleman. Big bow tie. Big bow tie. <laughs> and just his lifestyle and yeah. everything was definitely just felt very 70s. But as far as the uh, actual film itself, I think it ages pretty well. But anyway, thank you very much for sending in that letter there, or the email there, Floyd. We very appreciate it. If anyone else would like to be not Floyd, or be like <laughs> Floyd, and write a uh, send us an email, or, or an MP3, if you want to actually record your thoughts, we'd be happy to play it. You can send those to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Any little comments on anything, any of the news stories or episodes we post, you can share on our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com and search for Timeshifters. And, of course, tweet us at Movies at the Mat and at TimeshiftersPod. And with that, we'll take a short break for a, little, a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to the airport. Hello, I'm 
Chef Sandwich. You might not know me, barely anyone does, except my mother and her cocker spaniel, Alan. But I have listened to every single movie podcast that has ever been made. I don't get out much, and sometimes I have to make toilet in a bottle. What did he just say, Marjorie? However, having completed this exhaustive research, it is my assertion that the After Movie Diner podcast, with its heady mix of comedy, movie banter, fandom, passion, beards, music, and voluminous thighs, is in fact the greatest movie podcast available anywhere, even Holland. Find the After Movie Diner podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and AfterMovieDiner.com. Now, where's that bottle? Okay, we're back. Airport. Uh, I've seen it listed 1969, but I think the official release is 1970. Yeah, that's what I saw. I think the actual copyright on the film might be 69, but I think it was released in 70. Okay. So I was a little confused because, like, the DVD I got, it kind of listed as 69, but everything I see say 70 and Academy Awards for the, you know, for the 70s. So 1970. It does kick off the disaster film craze of the 70s. Yes. I don't think we'd have Poseidon Adventure if we didn't have Airport first. <laughs> so initially, okay, you have not seen this. I think I did not see it, but I knew quite a bit about it. Uh, maybe even more than, than you. I'm not sure. So my first question always is, overall, I mean, what did you think of Airport? Overall, I really liked it, but there were several parts that I had to pick at. Yes. Okay. I think that's fair. I think I would probably in the same boat. I was a little surprised that it was over two hours long. Yeah. For the 1970, it's a long movie mm-hmm. uh, for the time I was, period. I was impressed by that. Audiences must have really had to just be like, whoa. <laughs> but I have to admit, I mean, well, first of all, I will admit that I was really kind of pushed things aside to make myself sit down and watch it knowing it was two hours. I have a hard time actually trying – an hour and a half, it's kind of like, oh, I'll sit down and watch that before I go to bed or something yeah. like that. That extra half hour, though, in a film, it makes me have to like sort of plan around it and schedule sure. and kind of – encourage myself talk myself into watching it but i have to admit i sat down and started watching this thing for a two-hour film it moves along it's a, it was a fast two-hour watch yeah i, I never felt like i was bored no. watching a two-hour film and, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with they pace it kind of with what the characters are going through like mm-hmm. there's an emergency we got to keep moving everyone's talking quick in and out of rooms this that and the other you're seeing different little stories go on you're wondering how they come together but then you see them come together so it's kind of this fun puzzle that's getting put together in front of you and you're just sort of like cool <laughs> and then all of a sudden He's got a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit, it was kind of like an extended version. We talked about in Poseidon Adventure where the first 20 minutes was these real brief introductions to these characters. Yeah. Well, in Airport, the introductions take a little longer. Yes. Because each of these characters have a little bit more going on that some of it's important to the story. Some of it is just, sorry for your luck, but <laughs> right. <laughs> why, are, why do we care? Yes. Um, but that so it does go on a little longer. A lot like the Poseidon Adventure, I found myself going, if this was just a movie about one night in the airport that it wasn't about emergency landing this plane, I would have been fine with that. <laughs> if it was just it's a snowstorm, this plane got stuck and the manager of the airport, you know, is trying to like, you know, really stand his ground and say we need to like build like a, a whole new area and the protesters are outside. And it's just about how he has to deal with the day to day on this one night. I would watch that movie, too. <laughs> that was really interesting. 
And then they just decide to kind of throw this bomber in, and I'm just sort of like, all right, whatever. Let's <laughs> yeah, sure, go with we'll, that. We'll go with that. Yeah, this was another film where um, – or this is a film where there's kind of – it's almost multiple films rolled into one. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've got the in-the-air bomb story, and you've got the trials and tribulations of the – Airport manager story. Right. And I, I wonder if this movie was action written. film and soap opera. Right, <laughs> it, very much so. It was all the family drama for a lot of the characters. But I wonder if this movie was written one way, and then some studio head came along and said, "Put a bomber in it. Put a bomb on the plane." Because the bomber does not show up, is not mentioned at all until thirty minutes in. Mm-hmm. That's pretty far. Like that's almost how like a bad movie's made. You're sitting there going, I thought this was a movie about a bomb on an airplane. Right. We, it's 25 minutes. We haven't seen a bomb yet. Yeah, this kid, the guy just keeps talking to his kid and his yeah. wife. And- <laughs> right. Like, where's the movie? But I found it really interesting. I want to read just a brief um, synopsis. I, I pulled this some kind of um, shortened. There was from uh, on IMDb. It was written by someone who goes as L.A. lawyer. <laughs> sure. And I, I edited it down a little bit, but it, it was a good enough synopsis to get any, uh, anyone an idea if they haven't seen it. The film uh, encompasses 12 hours in the lives of the personnel and passengers at the Lincoln Airport. Endless problems, professional, personal, are thrown at the various personnel responsible for the safe and proper administration of air traffic, airline management, and aviation at a major U.S. airport. Take one severe snowstorm, have multiple schedules gone awry, one elderly trans-global airline stowaway, unreasonable spouses, manpower issues, frozen runways, and equipment malfunctions, and you get just a sample of the obstacles faced by personnel and passengers at the airport. Toss in one passenger with a bomb, and you have the film Airport from 1970. And it's exactly what I just said. It's all of those interesting things, and then someone said, throw a bomb in. Now, the cast here, I had to actually print this off because it is a fairly full cast. And we'll, yeah. But it's not a cast that we have to go through every single person, whereas I think each cast member that we deal with and like Poseidon Adventure was a little bit more important. Um, there's really just a few that are highlights for Airport. Burt Lancaster and Dean Martin had the uh, the star list now. Now, these two, you know, Burt Lan- Lancaster is uh, in- enjoying a, a very good career, a movie career, Dean Martin is, I mean, he's Dean Martin. Right. Uh, I actually found him it, it, as kind of an odd choice for the his role in Airport. It was just kind of like, why does that have to be Dean Martin? Right. <laughs> this is the first movie I've seen with Dean Martin in it, and in any capacity. Um, and at first, he started off very goofy. Mm-hmm. He was making all these like flying puns, and he's just like, "Oh, baby, you got me in a holding pattern." It's like, what, what is this yeah. going to be him the whole time? Yeah. But then. An hour in, he became really serious, really smart. He kind of became the hero of the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, so, yeah, he was a pleasant surprise. Yes. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. that he, In the beginning, he is Dean Martin. Yeah. And by the end of the film, he's his character, uh, Vernon, yeah. uh, Vernon Demarest, the, the took pilot. Him, yeah. took it took him a while, while to yeah. figure it out. And yeah. they didn't reshoot. So. Burt Lancaster plays Mel Bakersfield. He is the manager of the airport. He is the one that has to deal with – not only does he have to deal with a wife that doesn't understand that his job requires a lot of his time, maybe more than he's than he really needs to put into it is kind of the idea that we're getting. But uh, his marriage is effectively on the rocks. Yeah. And then he's also got issues with the airport. There's a snowstorm. There's a plane stuck on his main runway. Apparently, this airport only has two runways. 
<laughs> and it, there's a plane with its tail sticking into one, and they can't get it out of the snow. And let's see, what else do we have to deal with? Oh, we've got a, um, I guess the board of directors are breathing down his neck because they want him to, I forget what what they were trying to get him to do. They wanted him to close the airport oh, for the night. Oh, right. Because the snow was too bad. Mm-hmm. And he was still trying to just get this plane off the, he was putting all this effort and getting this plane off the, uh, off the runway so mm-hmm. he could keep open. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, the main runway shut down because the plane stuck in the other runway. Um, when planes take off and land, it goes right over some a housing area, or just the apparently a suburb. wealthy housing area. Right, and so they're all mad because there was an agreement saying like, "Oh, we wouldn't do that at night," mm-hmm. but now they have to. Right, that's right. Because there was because um, Dean Martin, uh, the pilot, says that he wants to take off from the main runway, but he can't. Says, well, if I had to take off from that other runway, then I'm, you know, the hell with noise abatement, and I'm going full out, and because guys, it's a shorter runway, or it's right. not as easy to navigate, or, or something like that. And I think we get one shot of some family sitting down to dinner and having the dishes rattle off the wall as yeah. a plane goes by. <laughs> Which I didn't get what was happening at first. It's like, it, just stuck in there. Yeah, it's real brief, and it's just stuck in early in the film. And, right. I'm like, what's going on? It took a while for me to realize, oh, I get it. The, okay. Yeah. I thought it was just supposed to be a funny moment of, see, the plane took off. Ha ha. And I was like, oh, no, this is an ongoing problem. And it's actually even stuck into the point, too, where I don't think you even, even see any planes taking off. Suddenly, you're just... Just, yeah, rattle. You're, you're, you're suddenly, you're just at a, at a family dinner, and there's rattle on the plates. And it's maybe a 30, 40-second scene. Yeah. And you never see this family again. They right. have no bearing on anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not until... After the fact, when we started hearing people talk about noise abatement and, uh, you know, the, the mayor's gotten complaints or something right. that we find out, oh, that's why that yeah, was there. <laughs> see the protesters and then they talk. It's like, mm, you could have done this in a different order. It's one of those things I was picking at. Yeah. Or you could have made that family maybe actually part of the film. Maybe the, the dad is one of the board of directors or sure. something. You know, anything. Now we got uh, Gene Seberg as Tanya Livingston. She's the assistant to uh, Burt Lancaster's character there. And she is... Now, the, they have an interesting relationship. They work together. Do you get the impression that there is more to their relationship? Um, in fact, we find out later that there is more to their relationship. But I don't think... And I found this interesting. Is I don't think they were actually having a physical affair. No, it's, it was definitely one of those relationships they didn't act on. Mm-hmm. They just... It was even a kind of an unspoken one, too. They they knew how the other felt. They knew how they felt, but neither of them brought it up. One for professionalism and one for the fact that he's still married. Right. Which is very much kind of a product of his time. Whereas mm-hmm. if this movie was made now, they would be doing his office oh, yeah, every yeah. two minutes. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, too, that I got the impression that she was really more of the aggressor in their relationship. Like, she was maybe the one that was saying, why don't we get together? And he's the one that, no, I can't, I'm married. Yeah. And I might have those feelings, but I'm not going to do it. So I, I, you know, so there was a couple of times where it's like, well, you know, maybe you don't and maybe you should. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. She's actually the one that's kind of initiating the idea of this affair. Yeah. But again, I like the idea of, of them as a couple. I didn't, did he need to be married? Did, yeah. did we have to know about his marital problems? Did that stuff play in at all? No, it really didn't. It kind of pulled things down. It added to that extra time. Yeah, it, it filled the time and it added, I guess, to his character. But, but it, it, it depends on what 
part of the film that you are you really focusing on? Right. I mean, the action film or the soap opera part? Yeah. You know? If you made it that he was, I don't know, uh, a widower or if or he was just never married but he wanted to maintain professionalism, if she was the aggressor and he was just sort of like, I'm your boss, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't do this, it would have worked just as well and it would have shaved like 20 minutes off the movie. <laughs> yeah, but saying that too, I, I, I think it's kind of nice having characters that are not just the two-dimensional, hi, I'm manager of the airport and that's all I am. It's. I like kind of having this backstory, this little bit of depth to the character, even if it isn't important to the overall story or the emergency that 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 it leads up to, that's leading up to. I still like the fact that it makes these people a little bit more realistic. Okay. You know, so I I, I didn't mind it, and I think it was done well enough that. It didn't keep pulling me out, I guess, okay. of, of the movie. Yeah, it didn't pull me out either, but I, I just kept wondering, like, do I need to know this? Is this yeah. going to be on the test? Like, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Now, we also had Jacqueline Bissett, who was uh, one of the stewardesses, Gwen, who was uh, having an affair with Dean Martin, who was also married. <laughs> yes. He didn't care. <laughs> no, no. You get the feeling that Gwen was just... One of many, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He play he plays the stewardesses pretty, uh, uh, pretty bad there, and you get the feeling that maybe his uh, wife, who was played by Barbara Hale, uh, probably knew um, and certainly found out <laughs> in the yeah, end. Yeah, I feel like she definitely knew because the other thing is his wife is Mel's sister. Just to add to the soap opera. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that. Oh yeah, I, I missed that. Yeah, because that because he says, "Oh, my brother-in-law." Oh, and I was right. like, okay, is it his wife's brother? And then he sees his, he says, there's my sister, and that's her husband. And, and just, they don't get along terribly well, I should I should mention, too. Mel and, um, oh, what's Dean's name? Vernon. Mel and yeah. Vernon don't really get along. They have different no. opinions on how the airport should be run. Right. You've got the manager's point of view and the pilot's point of view. Yes. And they don't get along, but, again, this is very much in that 60s, 70s mentality of no one raises their voice. There's no... There's no punching. There's no violence. It's just sort of like they're very polite in how they tell each other yeah. off, which I yeah, thought was yeah. refreshing. They, they each have their digs at, at one another. Right. But you never think that these guys are going to end up, you know, rolling on the ground fisticuffs or exactly. anything like that. And I, they're I just going to sit there and stew yeah. at one another. <laughs> and they just tell each other off and they're very articulate. And it's just sort of like, this is kind of funny. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but yeah, the wife, I got the impression that she knew because she even has that line of like, oh, anytime one of his girlfriends gets serious, that's when he starts waving his wedding ring around and mm-hmm. that's when he gets out of it. It's like, so she's kind of con- not content, but she's complacent, complacent in him yeah. that he's just running around. Right. Let's see. Who else do we have here? Oh, well, George Kennedy as Patroni. And this is the character. This is the guy that is going to carry through to all four of the uh, airport. Oh really? Yeah, he he plays a role. He, this character Patroni shows up in all the airport films, and all played by him. Yes, Great, all, all George Kennedy. He was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more of him. Uh, every scene he's in, he steals. He he has two lines that make me laugh. And yeah, I I couldn't get enough of him. He was really great. He is the uh, the engineer, the guy they call to try to get this plane off the uh, the stuck plane off the um, 
off the runway, and then they, of course, they end up using him to. Uh, he, he's everything he, that you need to know about a plane. Mm-hmm. Petroni knows. Yes. I mean, he's got it. He knows how they're built. He knows what they can take. He knows whatever's on the book, and then at anything more. You know whether that book is lying, <laughs> right, <laughs> or if that book is saying, "Oh no, it can take more," or it can't take that much. Petroni knows it exactly, and yeah, he has those lines of just like you know, I've taken him apart, and he said he was in like the Air Force, so he's one of those guys who's like, "Don't tell me what it's supposed to do; tell me what it can do." Right. And when they're first trying to get the airplane out of the snow, and he's standing in the cockpit, and they got the pilot who's supposed to taxi it off the snow, mm-hmm. but the pilot doesn't give it everything it's got. And they have a quicker. He's the one guy who gets in an argument and he's loud about it. Yeah, Everyone else is calm and is keeping their composure. And he will get in your face and he will get Wag you. Wag his cigar in your uh-huh. face, in his mouth. And the pilot is just sort of like, I've got 30,000 miles in the air and you got two and a half on the ground. <laughs> I loved that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, two and a half feet on the ground, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome because uh, yeah, he just he just rips him a new one. I told you to give it it all. It'll, she'll tear the nose cone off. I know what it'll do. Right. <laughs> it could take it. Yeah, it's so good. You got two and a half billion dollars to, or well, maybe it was only a million then. I don't know what yeah. it was to build up a seven oh seven. I think he said it's an eight million dollar plane. Eight million dollar. And he plane. was trying to save it. He because yeah. he knew the only other option was to push it and break it. Yeah. And they were saying if you give it everything, it'll little break and he's going well that's not true this thing can take anything mm-hmm. except being pushed by a plow <laughs> yeah i should mention the go this is as good as place as any just to break in and to talk what what is often considered kind of like the the real star of the film which is the 707 uh boeing 707 airline yeah. which apparently they actually got a plane leased to them though they were actually able to use a plane it for all real. the all the runway shots and pulling it out of the snow and all that stuff was an actual plane that they got yeah. to use and play around with. Yeah. Thought that was really cool. It was released to MCA Universal Pictures from Flying Tiger Airlines, which now merged with FedEx for hmm. the filming exterior shots. And after the filming was completed, the aircraft was returned to the Flying Tiger and was later sold, going through various owners before it made the tragic end when it crashed on a landing approach in 1989 in Brazil. Oh, wow. So the poor plane doesn't exist anymore. That's a shame. Hope everyone was okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no kidding. Well, I take it it was uh, used for um, transport of goods rather than people, if it, Flying Tigers and FedEx. and sure. So I'm assuming it was all similar. We do have some other stars to talk about. Helen Hayes is Ada Quonset. She was the uh, the elderly stowaway. Yes. And this is something that we'll go into as far as, man, air travel has changed. Yeah. You couldn't <laughs> translate that to now. No. At all. This, just, just the fact that people are walking up to the gate to, uh-huh. to meet there. You can't do that anymore. No. Yeah, that's where I think this film, you're talking about Poseidon, would hold up. Airport, you could show it to people today. It's anybody within born within the last 25 years, uh-huh. and they'd take one look at that film and just think it's so unrealistic. That can't right. happen. Why are they doing that? They, You can't just walk down to the plane. You can't stow away right you, know, you can't they don't just put you on the plane and send you back yeah. oh my son's on the the plane I, he dropped his wall okay go ahead like right. what <laughs> they would tackle that lady in a second well the whole thing is so they they discovered this woman when she was getting off another plane and so they were just going to put her on another plane and send her back that was that was it that, that, right. that, that was it that's right. all that was going to the do solution. there's there's no there's no police there's no charges <laughs> 
no TSA, you know, right. this is <laughs> like, wow, it's changed so much. She would be detained for days. <laughs> uh-huh. How many planes were you on? <laughs> <laughs> then a couple more. The last two, uh, Van Heflin, who plays, uh, his credit is just D.O. Guerrero. He is our our bomber. Yeah. And his wife, uh, Inez, which was played by Maureen Stapleton. Um, Van Heflin, it was funny. I, I just watched a film of his for the, my other podcast, Orphan Entertainment. He was the star of The Strange Love of Martha Ivers. And uh, so I got to see him in his younger days. This was – Airport was his last film. This oh, was wow. his last film appearance. Um, I thought he did a fine job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I like him as an actor. Now, seeing two films, I, I have to say that I, I – really like him i might kind of seek out some of his other works he's just seemed to be a bit of a, a character actor showed up in film and television um so i might seek out some of his other roles just to, to see him uh some more but no he was good uh his character the whole idea and again times have a changed his plan you know he and his wife are you know dire straits financially yeah. uh they're living in a hovel he's worked construction and he's managed to you know School, uh, steal some dynamite and his whole plan is he's going to go and blow himself up in a in a airline accident you cause an airline accident after buying airline insurance so his wife would have money i mean he's doing it out of love for his wife but he's willing to sacrifice hundreds of other lives to do it but it's not an it's not an idea it's not a a you know it's not out of the realm of possibility as far as how someone might think, even no. today. Yeah, and it was I wasn't expecting that to be the plot point. I figured this was just a malicious bomber kind of movie, which I think like every other bomb on an airplane movie I've seen, that's what it is. It's just yeah. some guy who's, you know, yeah, and he's not want, even on the plane. We want money. I want right. somebody freed from prison. Yeah, oh, yeah, or I just want the government to notice me or just something. This was... It, <laughs> Even though it's terrible, it's horrible. He's the bad guy, but he's a bad guy you sympathize with. Mm-hmm. You understand what he's going through. He's not doing it because he's evil. He's actually doing it, for, in his mind, for good intentions. Right. He's doing it for his wife. They had to send their kids away. He's doing it so they can come back home. And it's sort of, you're just sort of like... I don't want you to do it, but I'm, I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. He became like there were no real black and white bad guys in this movie, and I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, once I saw what his plan was, I was like, "This plan makes sense. I get what he's doing, and I feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to tackle him or hurt him." Like when Dean Martin was trying to talk him down, I'm like, "Give the bomb back. Just give the bomb back. I want you to be okay." Uh-huh. That's jumping uh, near the end. We should talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that goes on in the beginning. Yeah, like we said, there is a lot of um, family drama and personal conflicts and stuff that go on in the soap opera portion of yeah. our film. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, Burt Lancaster's character is dealing with his wife. His wife thinks he spends too much time at work. And we, we get an idea that, you know, especially during a snowstorm, that his work does take a lot of time. He has to be on call. There are emergencies. There are people that need his instructions on what to do. And maybe he could delegate it more. Mm. Maybe he chooses not to. I think we get the impression that we're, we're meant to get the impression that maybe he is choosing not to delegate, delegate some of the authority to get, have an excuse to stay at work versus yeah. going home because he doesn't love his wife. He even says as much to his uh, to his assistant, to Tanya. 
she she suggests that maybe you love your wife more than you think you do, and he's like, we don't share anything but an address. Yeah, yeah. that was a good line. Mm-hmm. Everybody's conflicts are sort of worked out or figured out in the end of this film. Everything gets kind of it's almost kind of the um, the old sitcom. Uh, thing where you have a this, something bad happens, but at the end of that half hour, everyone's okay. Mm. I kind of feel like that happened with this film. Everything's sort of very simplified for everybody, except for maybe the uh, the now widow of the bomber. Well, her and um, I, you said her name, but I've already forgotten it. Uh, she played Dean Martin's character's wife. Oh, Gwen. Yeah. Well, not oh, no, oh, not wife. the stewardess, the right, wife, right. Sarah. Yeah, yes. Barbara. Mm-hmm. Her world is destroyed at the end of that movie, and that's it. That's how her her yeah. story ends. Well, that's kind of how I feel about Ina's. Uh, 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 she, she has she has the the, the worst of it all. Yeah, she her, all, her she was already her and her husband together couldn't pay the rent. Yeah, you know they were they were just one boot shy of the street. Yeah. And now she literally has nothing. Nothing, and she's gonna get outed as the bomber's wife. Yeah, and she's gonna be dragged through the media ringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in the seventies, I think uh-huh. I don't think you'd be able to escape that. Right. Yeah. So her life is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, um, Vernon Dean Martin's wife's who discovers in the end when. Um, you know, the plane is miraculously saved, and they get on board. Gwen's been injured uh, by the bomb. And Gwen is pregnant. Gwen is pregnant, with yeah. Dean with Dean's child. <laughs> Dean. child. I think we're going to keep using the actor's name, so That's I apologize. Funny. I think it's easier. Um, and the, she sees him come off the plane, and she doesn't. he doesn't leave the side, Gwen's side. He right. takes her hand, and she's on the stretcher, and he doesn't even look at his wife. Right. And she, yeah, I think that's when, you know. That's when you realize he's chosen her uh-huh. over his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. everyone wraps it up. But Burt Lancaster, though, on the other hand, his wife comes in towards the end of the film and, well, we should get a divorce because I'm actually seeing somebody somebody else and it'd be better for everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of does that, are you sure? Right. <laughs> even though, even though you know in the back of his head he's going, yes! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> then it gives him an excuse to finally, you know, him and Tanya can now get together and not only that it wraps up so nice for him on that note because the wife is just like you can see the kids whenever you want yeah they're all very nice like it's like he's just like i didn't have to say a word and i just did everything i wanted yeah it was almost and it was kind of fun because that character you can tell there's a lot of stress i mean he is just pent up with stress from everything from every side his job his relationship and everything and she comes in she announces that she wants to have a divorce lets him off the hook because he's been having this sort of emotional affair with his assistant. But now he finds out that she's been having a physical affair yeah. uh, with somebody else. And then uh, we should get a divorce and you can see the kids. And I swear you, you feel in that room, oh, yeah, it's like this immediate, just everyone's relaxed. Right. And you, you actually, I felt it watching the movie. It's like, oh, there's all this stress on both these people are like, and they're, they're real, um, kind of terse with each other mm-hmm. you can just see the electric just sort of oh they're just repelling each other and then once that's all done and cleared they're like oh their faces <laughs> are softer they're smiling at each other i'm like right. wow <laughs> <laughs> well good for you <laughs> i guess congratulations uh uh the one thing i'd like to point out was um 
Helen Hayes won an Academy Award for her her role. She did. She as did Ada, indeed. Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, this film was actually nominated for many Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, she's the one, the only one that walked away with the statue. She won for Best Supporting Actress. The rest of the the film was uh, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, it was nominated for a Best Actress for Maureen Stapleton, which was the. Um, the, uh, the 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 wife of the bomber mm-hmm. uh, for for very little role too. Yeah. I mean, she was really she was in it less than than Helen Hayes was. Yeah, much less. Uh, it also uh, for best writing, best cinematography, best art direction and set direction, best costume, best sound, best film editing, and best score. So those were all the other nominations. All well deserved, I thought. Yes, uh, Edith Head, who was a huge name in uh, in, in fashion and design. Um, yeah, and costume design at the time was, you know, it's no surprise that she would get a nomination. Score was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very, it was almost um, John Williams-esque. It was, you know, lots yeah. of horns and da, 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 things going on. Really and, heightening the mood. Yeah, exactly. And art direction, set direction, I mean, you can't do better. You've got a plane. Yeah, <laughs> a real one. And a real airport <laughs> to play with. It was filmed in an airport in Minneapolis. Uh, they they filmed it there, you know, all the exterior on the on the runways and stuff. They filmed it there because they figured lots of snow. We need yeah. the snow. Turned out they had actually had to go in and bleach uh, sawdust and blow it all over the place for a while until they finally got s- snow towards the end of production. <laughs> but uh, it's your one job, Minneapolis <laughs> snow. <laughs> so yeah, so with all that to work with, I mean, how can you go wrong? So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that really the only built sets were probably some of the interiors as far as like offices within the actual offices. Yeah. And then obviously the, the airplane, um, the interior of the airplane and everything was most likely was a set. Yeah. But all the exteriors were great because you, it was that, what that, which, what it was supposed to be. I, I guess it would be like an art direction kind of point of view or just the editing. The one thing sometimes it worked for me, and sometimes it did. It was when they would like splice the scenes. Oh, right, the conversations. Like, the conversations. Mm-hmm. I was wondering and, how you'd take that. Yeah, like when that. when it was like a half screen thing, it worked for me. But like the the parts where you're in the cockpit and you've got the one scene of the pilot on the right and the pilot on the left, but then the air traffic controller is plopped in the middle mm-hmm. in the circle. I was like, "Whoa, Brady Bunch!" Like, yeah, I that didn't work for me at all, and it kept happening over and over again. I go, "This is to stop this." this looks goofy he's just in this like little oval in the middle of the screen i i'm torn i i think that works better sometimes than the constant flash back and forth between yeah. two conversations i think it works better than the you only get the one side and you get somebody what's that i should do this are you sure that's right do you think it's right? Okay. You know, <laughs> those i i hate the one-sided fake phone conversations so if that's are your only choices, I guess what they did is fine, but it feels dated. Yeah. You could have also done the thing of you're hearing air traffic control, but you don't see them. Yeah. Oh, that would have worked, too. You know, so you still get that full conversation. I don't think his face in the middle of the screen. Definitely with the air traffic there. control, you could have... You could have yeah. played with it a little bit. You could have pretended like they were on a speaker, or, or like you said, you were just eavesdropping on on the radio communication. And, yeah, you know, did you hearing what they're hearing? The phone conversations. It, I don't know if you could have done it. No, I yeah. liked it with the phone conversations. It, it was mostly not so much that they, you know, the split. I liked the split because it looked it was symmetrical. It was even. It was just that 
circle in the middle of the screen. Yeah. Between the two of them, <laughs> it visually was not pleasing. Right. It was a little weird, and it was like I said. I think it, I think it does. It's one of those things that sort of helps date the when this film was made kind of thing. Yeah. Um, throw aside the obvious differences in the airport um, activity and what you can and can't do on an airplane and take on an airplane. Did you like? Did you like the like the stowaway? We're sitting there with their knitting needles uh-huh. on the plane, and everyone's walking through the airport like skis and right. <laughs> smoking on the airplane. And the smoking. There is not. A single scene in this film that did not have an ashtray or a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Acting overall, I think, was great. Yes. It was a good, strong cast. Like I said, I think Dean Martin was a little too Dean Martin comical, maybe, in the, certainly in the beginning. But even... I, and I blame this more for writing, and it's just... It's a funny scene. You can see where something like this would be lifted for a a comedic take is um, the bomber's been discovered mm-hmm. and they 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 work out this intricate way to try to get this bomb away from the guy they use the stowaway to you know well we won't get you in trouble if you help us out kind of thing and they go through this whole thing which was a little <laughs> the stewardess is slapping this poor woman around but it's all an act right except for the slap you know? <laughs> and they wrestle the, t- the the thing the the, the airline captain wrestles the uh the bomb the briefcase away from van heflin but then one of the other uh passengers says that's private property you can't do that and rips it out of the yeah. captain's hand gives it you know van heflin grabs it back and he and that's when you know dean martin's character is like you know it's not going to work your insurance policy's been we, we discovered it. it's been canceled you're not going to gain anything by blowing up that bomb Mom! <laughs> what what <laughs> And the whole that scene is because he's center stage in that in the frame, and every the rest of the planes all crowded behind him, kind of like what's going on, watching behind him, and he does bomb. Right, (laughs) you can't help but kind of laugh at that scene, and you can see where someone else would look at that and go, "I can make a movie," (laughs) and that's how Airplane was made. But uh, it, it was it was it was just a, it was one of the few scenes that it was it wasn't meant to be funny, but I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, it was the non the non comical scene that made me laugh. Yeah, and there was a little bit of humor in there. Um, there is the um, oh, the one pilot that's complaining to the second officer that you know when he grabbed the suitcase that the the captain actually hit him in when he took the case back and the second officer was like, well, if you don't settle down, the second officer is going to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, uh, the priest that who's was sitting a- across the aisle, who, <laughs> the one guy's like, Oh God, we're going to die. And is the priest, and the priest is the priest is genuflecting, just reaches across the aisle and slaps him in the face. Uh, that was funny. That was Yeah. I, I think that was just clever writing to, to still keep the movie a little light to break yeah. up the tension for the audience and it Yeah, cuz at this point well. the plane is on its way down. Yeah. Right. The bomb's <laughs> it's got a hole. Off. Yeah. The tail might fall off. You see the crack getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and you're just sort of like we need something to break this up. So we'll just have the priest backhand this yeah. guy who's been a jerk since he was introduced oh, yeah. in the movie. I like that the fact and again you seem to have you didn't enjoy certainly the um the family relations or anything but I kind of enjoyed the the stress that the not only is this going on, but everything that was going on at the airport. I mean, it, like you were saying, it was a you could just watch that. I yeah. enjoyed that too because they did it really well. Because everyone was just 
at their wits end at times and there's other times where you know they close the door and you'd say oh you know because the crowd was behind them kind Mm -hmm. of thing uh they did a really nice job with that yeah and they did also a nice job of just kind of showed like a lot of research clearly went into this movie and maybe some liberties were taken but i'm thinking like this is probably how it works at airport like the one part where they have to find the woman in the airport like she snuck not the Mm. not the stowaway but the the wife of the bomber Mm, and they're like well we need to let all security know, but we don't want everybody else in the airport worried. Oh, right, right. So they have a code word mm-hmm. of like, oh, just – then she's oh, like, I'm what's sure the code word? And, oh, yeah, it's like Mel something or whatever. Right. And like, okay, well, Mr. So-and-so, please be – come to whatever. And you see all the security officers are like, that's the code word. Uh-huh. All right, we're on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure that the, that is a very legitimate uh, yeah. exercise or at least was or probably still is. I, I remember even in my school there was whenever we were going to do a – either some sort of fire drill or a bomb uh, drill or something like that, there would be an announcement for somebody to come to the office, but that person hadn't worked for the school in years. (laughs) So we all knew. (laughs) Things are going down. (laughs) So I'm sure, uh, absolutely, I I think some research went into how airports actually work. And I think you get a really good taste of it. Like you said, I'm sure there is a little bit more, some liberties taken. There are probably some aspects that are probably ramped up a little bit. I don't know if like the the captains of the airplanes will sit there and you know it's it's like they're in command of the you well in this ship you know I'm like mm, I'm not sure that really happens I don't think they take that kind of ownership of the plane yeah I, I think that may be ramped up a little bit uh, certainly if any actual airline captain did that I think they were probably like oh that guy <laughs> right. <laughs> It was an enjoyable film. Right. I mean, I still really enjoyed watching it. Right. To the point that I would just love to see what goes on with a lot of those characters afterward. Like, keep going. Like, I don't know if you said uh, Petroni is in the other movies or yeah. any of the other characters. I don't think so. Okay. I, I won't swear to it, but I don't think so. Because, okay. yeah, I, I want to know what goes on with Mel. I I want to know, like, does does he get the new airport open? Does does he, you know, does, does Tanya stay? I'm interested to know. Like, that's how dimensional they, you know, three-dimensional they made those characters. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was definitely, I mean, Mel was on his way out. The board of directors were pretty much looking to, to, to fire him. Right. But and now he saved the day. Yeah, so. On his watch, everything worked out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then he, um, yeah, he and Tanya at the end, she's like, oh, he's like, I want some breakfast. Oh, where should we go? How about your apartment? You're always telling me about your scrambled eggs. Yeah. She almost has this look on her face like, oh, okay, I right. guess so. So it's like, yeah, but does now that she has what she wanted, is that going to work? Right. Because you know? she was going to get transferred and go to another airport. Mm-hmm. It was a little forward of him, though. <laughs> sort of like, you cook for me and yeah. then something else. Yeah, exactly. Then dessert. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I would like. I I hope that uh, Mrs. Guerrero, you know, finds some family, somebody that can tell, then help her and take care of her. I, I'm know, not hopeful for her character. No, I, I'm not either. I'm not either. I think that poor woman's gonna be destitute and living on a box somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the the other you know family members, you know, other families that are breaking up and divorcing, they they will do so. And you know, I definitely think that Mel's. Uh, family will be better his daughters will be better off yeah. certainly the stress was you know working on the one older daughter moved out you mm-hmm. know went to a friend's house or something we get all kinds of interesting information right. in this movie about these families it has it's nothing so to weird. do with the plot mm-hmm. 
yeah, and obviously, I mean, I think Martin's character Vernon there, he and Gwen maybe end up together. He was kind of liking the idea. Suddenly now he's, you know, he's going to be a dad. And right. He's okay His with it. wife probably is going to have a rough go of it. Because mm-hmm. they also kind of gave the impression that, you know, she doesn't work. She doesn't bring in money. That she's staying with him because he's the breadwinner. Right. And that's how she's able to live the life she has. So I'm just sitting there going, so now you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And your brother's not going to be happy about that. Yeah. That's kind of why I want to know what goes on. What happens next? Because you figure there's going to be a big fight that's going to affect the airport. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I don't know. I guess I got pulled into the soap opera. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be on Vernon's flight when <laughs> right. the, after the divorce lawyers are done with him. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the right side of the screen, you'll see the house that I used to live in. <laughs> um, <laughs> boom! Can I get off? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to leave, please. Uh, yeah, the the old uh, the stowaway. I bet you she just keeps on doing exactly what she does. She's yeah. been doing. And yeah, they, it, until she can't. Yeah, and she even has that line of like, "It was more fun when I was, you know, sneaking around." It's like you're not going to stop. They just sent you home, right? You're going to do it again tomorrow, mm-hmm. even though you almost died because you were doing this. <laughs> yeah. You have learned nothing. Fun film. Uh, oh, I didn't mention one one name that came up, and I, I mentioned this when I was watching, and I posted it on Facebook that all these big names and everything, and I and I kind of like perked up and went, "Oh, Whit Bissell." <laughs> Whit Bissell is a fantastic character actor who's been around since the 50s, 40s or 50s, all going all the way back to like the Creature of the Black Lagoon. Uh, he's been in so many great films, both and television. He was the man that was sitting next to the uh, the old woman. Oh, the, okay. The, the third seat on the aisle. Uh-huh. That was Whit Bissell. He's just very recognizable if you watch a lot of films from the 50s, 60s, 70s, even uh, just... He's just kind of like one of those characters, one of those actors that's like, ah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize him, but okay. Yeah, well, he's been in. You know, he, he's, he did stand out because you're just sort of like, is he charming this old woman? Like, he's like, I'll buy you another drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's pretty much how that woman lives is just charming the pants off people. Well, yeah. not literally. Hope's not. <laughs> Who knows? Live and let live. Yeah, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad I enjoyed it. Like I said, I thought I'd seen it. I don't think I had, and maybe because it is a two-hour film, it probably didn't make it on TV as often as maybe a shorter film did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. I'm glad in the end, most everyone comes out unscathed. <laughs> most, <laughs> most, not all. Hopefully, Gwen's eyes okay. Oh, we didn't think about that. She was injured. She had shavings in her eyes. You know, yeah. splinters. Yeah, don't know. They think she can save the eye. Right. She. So. That was optimistic for. Her. I imagine she recovers fine. She and Vernon get together. He leaves his wife. Yeah. But she sues him for everything he's got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now he's got his his wife and his new baby and no money. <laughs> and but you know, how long will that last before the next, you know, twenty five year old stewardess shows up? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's gonna do it. This one was probably a little bit more scattershot than a Poseidon Adventure and I apologize for that, but but it's just because there is a lot goes on through this film and it jumps from, you know, the action in the air to the drama on the ground and sometimes that drama has something to do with the what's in the air and sometimes it doesn't I yeah mean, it will be throwing the fact that they've now they've got to get that plane off the runway because that's the only run that they can land the plane that's coming down because they're right. not sure if they can turn it without dripping the tail off yeah there's a lot that goes on I mean, it really is but it's kind of neat the way they do it that it isn't just all 
it's not all bam, bam, bam. It kind of jumps back and forth. You have to kind of, you have to follow the film, and I think that what is what kind of makes that pacing work, and and makes it a, an easy watch. Yeah, um, it, as you as we explain it, I feel like people would think like this doesn't sound like a good movie. No, this we're does, not doing it justice. No, we really but aren't. it's it's hard to explain this movie and and do it justice. But it it works. All of those running parts, all you know, even the parts to pick at, it's like. But it doesn't take away from the overall movie. It really all works as a cohesive thing. And some things they mentioned that never come up again. But it's just to sort of show that this was this airport is a running machine. And I think mm-hmm. it was a, an appropriate title. This is not bomb on an airplane. This mm-hmm. is airport. Yeah. This is about what goes on at the airport. Whether or not that plays to the problem, this is still stuff they have to deal with, which adds to the stress, which adds to, oh, and there's a bomb on a plane? Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's going to end our discussion on airport and kind of wrap up our discussions on disaster films. There are so many other disaster films. We really stuck to sort of this, this little small window of the disaster films in the 70s. There are so many we didn't really – in our general discussion, we kind of went through and discussed some of the other ones. But as far as our actual watching and focusing, we kind of stayed in the 70s because I think that is kind of the, the best. The best. It's the high point. I really think it is. That's like the apex. of the, It all worked up to the 70s and then it – kind of petered down after that mm-hmm. a few you know the 90s little bumps moments. yeah maybe one day we'll talk about twister yeah i think so <laughs> i just need you know just give me an excuse to watch that film again i just love that film but i think we have discussed and we're going to go and i think it's going to blend really well into this our next round of the discussions we're going to go ahead and talk about the spoof film i wonder what we'll watch i wonder what one of those <laughs> films will be <laughs> I, I think we have to after watching Airport. We have to watch Airplane. Yeah, and I think be a lot I think the reason we we watched Airport because we knew we were going to watch Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So next time, general discussion on spoof films. Just all the spoof films we've seen. Kind of count. I think we can actually kind of discuss what we really consider a spoof film because yeah. I think some. I think there's a, a gray line that falls on, you know, that's over there, that some films fall in, that it's definitely sort of spoofing without being a, you, it can't, you can't necessarily point a finger at one particular film or genre in some films. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm, is that a spoof or is that just a comedy? But we'll, we'll go into that a little deeper yeah. the next time we talk. We'd love to hear your thoughts on your favorite spoof films, because I'm sure you've got them. Everyone loves, you know, has got favorite spoof films. I don't know if I've met anyone that doesn't like a spoof film. It just means they haven't seen the right one. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, there you go. that's true. So anyway, that, that is going to do it for us. Matt, thank you very much. Fun as always. And uh, we will talk to everyone next time. Like I said, um, send it to ti- any feedback or thoughts on the spoof films or our discussion on disaster films to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. Tweet us, Movies at the Matt at Time Shifters Pod. Look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, bye all.